It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to talk about day number 15 of New York Jets training camp out at Florham Park by the great beat reporter over at NJ.com and New Jersey Advance Media, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, a short practice today. Yeah, Adam Gase did us all uh, a solid today. Kept it around an hour and 45 minutes or so, so got to sneak out of the facility uh, a little bit earlier. Um, you know, it, it's kind of our Friday. The Jets are off tomorrow with the game on Thursday, so uh, didn't didn't stink getting out of there a little early today. I would imagine that getting out of there a little bit early and being able to go home and have a fairly normal day was not something that the rest of the beat was upset about either, right? No. Yeah, we were all thrilled. About, I mean, by the time we got done with uh, you know interviews and stuff like that, it was still only 11.20, which uh, you know, we were 15, 20 minutes ahead of schedule from the normal uh, training camp practice. So always nice to, you know, everyone likes to cut out of work early, right? Yeah, no question about it. And today, it picked a good day to get out early because the rain came, what, around 12 noon? So by then, you guys were done. Yep, yep. It worked out perfectly, for sure. So let's talk about what went down at practice. First of all, good news as far as the kicker search goes. Taylor Bertolette, who we've all said can't possibly be the kicker going into the 2019 season, seems determined to prove all of us wrong because he had himself a pretty good day today. He did. He went uh, five for five, I believe it was, and uh, you know he made a bunch of kicks in the thirty-five to forty-five-ish yard range. So not exactly chip shots, and you know he hit some decently long ones, and they all looked pretty good from my angle. They looked like they were you know pretty much right down the center. So uh, good on Bertolet bouncing back from uh, a five of seven day on Sunday, and uh, you know putting all of them through the uprights this time around. So you know he's gonna do his best to see if he can stick around on this team uh unlike last year when the Jets let him go and uh you know Tuesday was a step in the right direction for him in that regard let's talk about the guy who recently came back to help this struggling Jets secondary that's Marcus May he was out there again today how'd he look Marcus uh yeah he, he made a nice step in the right direction as well he uh the last couple of days has been limited in practice not not doing any team drills just seven on sevens and individuals but uh, that changed a bit today. He was out there in a red non-contact jersey for team drills. Uh, started off, uh, took a series with the second team, but uh, pretty quickly moved up to the starters after that. Seemed to hold his own just fine. I mean, obviously there's going to be some progress to be made here, shaking the rust, and then also eventually shaking off that red non-contact jersey. But uh, yeah, definitely the Jets were happy to have him back out there. And, uh, you know, that moves them a little bit closer to having him out there for week one kind of getting the secondary uh, back in shape a bit. 
Let's talk about that secondary because here were the starting corners throughout the day at different points. Daryl Roberts, Brian Poole, Arthur Millette, and Trayvon Campbell. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting starting cornerback, uh, you know, little rotation there. Like you said, Roberts and Poole were the mainstays, and then uh, Millette was out there to start things off with the starters. Uh, holding down Trumaine Johnson's normal spot. And then, uh, you know, later on in practice, Campbell popped in there. And uh, I will admit that uh, at least a couple of beat reporters had to look down at their rosters to figure out who number 35 was when he popped out onto the field with the starters there. Uh, I may or may not have been one of them. So, yeah, that tells you all you need to know about where the Jets' starting corners are right about now. Bringing in some depth, too, with Marcus Cooper, who was recently released by the Lions. What do we know about him? Yeah, so Cooper, uh, a Connecticut guy, he uh, is from Rutgers as well. So coming back to New Jersey here, he's going into his seventh year in the league, 29-year-old. Um, so he's played a decent amount around the NFL here. He has played in 74 games. He started 28 of them. So, you know, has some experience, has, frankly, a lot more experience than the overwhelming majority of the Jets' current corners. So uh, I think it's a smart move by Joe Douglas to grab a guy that – just got cut on Monday, but uh, you know probably has at least something left in his legs there, and uh, has some experience, has some savvy. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of that that's sitting out there available looking for work right now. And uh, Douglas saw his opportunity and went for it. And you know, now they get to throw Cooper onto the roster and see how he can fare. So I wouldn't be surprised if he started to uh, compete for a, a job here at some point, just because of how thin the Jets are at that position, uh, and. You know, even if he doesn't wind up in the starting lineup, you know, he had some nice insurance for Roberts and Johnson. Uh, in case one of them goes down, you don't have to necessarily rely on an undrafted rookie like Tyron Brown. Um, you know, you have at least an option of a guy that has an NFL experience under his belt. So, um, a, a good pickup, I would say, by Douglas. There's, you know, very little risk here, but uh, potentially some good reward attached to this one. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Poor Nick Truesdell gets cut again. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before he comes back because he's like a boomerang, Matt. No matter how far you throw him, he always finds his way back to you. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I feel, I feel bad for the kid. He's, uh, you know, every two days it seems like he's in and out of work. Uh, so it's got to be tough for him figuring out how he's going to pay bills and everything like that uh tricky situation but yeah he's the, the odd man out this time around but who knows if someone gets hurt or isn't performing up to snuff a couple of days from now uh, nick could be right back on the roster here and uh we could be talking about him yet again he, he like you said he just keeps coming back around have some interesting information as far as the secondary goes by the way there are a couple of teams that are said to be possibly shopping cornerbacks we've heard about philly possibly baltimore I reached out to my friend George Bremer over at CNHI Sports in Indianapolis, who's one of the best out there. So if you're not following him on Twitter, you should be. I've said this many times. If you really want to know about what's going on with the league, you should be following at least one person who covers each team. And for the Colts, that guy should be George Bremer, no question. So I reached out to him and I asked him if the Colts would be looking to shop corners. He said, for sure. The two candidates that he said were the most likely were Nate Hairston and Jalen Collins. 
Jalen Collins seems a little weird to me because he was a disappointment in Atlanta, suspended four times, and actually missed the first 10 games of last season because he was suspended again. So I'm not really sure what it is that the Colts would expect to get for him. Nate Hairston is kind of interesting, though. He was a fifth rounder in 2017 at a Temple, and last year he started off really well. The first half of the season, his performance was pretty strong, worked himself into a nice spot in the rotation, but then about midway through the year, he had one game where he was pretty terrible. I think he was single-handedly responsible for blowing coverage on two touchdowns, and that was pretty much it. He was never heard from again. They didn't play him much the rest of the year, completely fell out of favor, and so he could potentially be a guy that's available. Matt, obviously you're taking a risk when you get a guy like this because of what happened last year when he fell out of favor with the Colts, but he has shown flashes. He's only 25 years old. He's got some legitimate experience. These are all things that the Jets could use. Plus, remember, Rex Hogan was one of the top lieutenants for Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, so Hogan would know if there's anything he likes about Hairston and whether or not he thinks he could be a contributor here. I was saying this to you before we started recording. I know Nate Hairston's not a sexy name. He's not a guy that's going to command a huge price. I would imagine that a late conditional pick would probably get it done. But he is somebody that could come in here and at least compete for a job and give you some depth. I don't know how much better you're going to do on the open market at this point, and let's be honest about it. The Jets are not going to trade for Jalen Ramsey or make some sort of blockbuster deal for Jimmy Smith. So Hairston is somebody that's a realistic target that might not be the worst move in the world. Yeah, uh, all of the points you just made there make some pretty good sense to me. Uh, Like you said, I mean, he's a guy that's kind of prime age. He's shown some upside and potential before, and uh, you know, those kinds of guys are, are few and far between, especially at this point in the year. So, uh, if the Colts do indeed decide that they, you know, could part with him, uh, it would probably make sense for Douglas to at least make that phone call and see what it would take to get the deal done. Because for sure, the Jets could just use any sort of help at corner they can get right about now. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a, a starter at this point. If you can get a quality backup or, a, you know, a decent backup, really, a, a guy that has some semblance of experience. It could be a, an upgrade over what they have right now. So, uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like, uh, you know, you, you, you convinced me at least, Scott. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I think it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. But I know a lot of people had asked about the Colts and specifically about Quincy Wilson. So I asked about him, too. And George said he doesn't see the Colts making him available. And if they did, he would probably cost a lot more than what the Jets would be willing to part with. So for people asking about Quincy Wilson, I would say the odds of that happening are very slim. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. 
Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Moving along to other units on the New York Jets, let's talk about the quarterback, Sam Darnold. I know that he threw an interception today to C.J. Mosley. Other than that, how'd he look? Uh, not great, actually. Uh, the offense struggled a bunch today. Darnold was 5 of 12 with that pick to Mosley. Uh, a few just kind of ugly misfires. That one to Mosley, obviously not a great throw. Uh, at one point, he overthrew Jameson Crowder. Uh, he had a pretty clear miscommunication with uh, Chris Herndon at one point where uh, the ball and Herndon were really not in the same zip code as one another. So uh, one of those days where just the offense wasn't really in rhythm, Sam wasn't really in sync there. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen with a a 22-year-old quarterback learning a new offense. The trick uh, is obviously just kind of limiting those days, keeping them as few and far between as possible, and then limiting the damage when they do pop up. So, uh, you know, for the most part, he's been really, really good in this training camp. One bad day is nothing to, to worry about too much, but uh, it will be, you know, interesting to see how he and the offense bounce back a little bit on Thursday night once they get their their next chance out there against the Falcons. I feel like C.J. Mosley is slid under the radar training camp. People aren't really talking about him. But I also feel like a big part of the reason for that is because he's been consistently good every day, and it's what people expect of him. So it's not even really worth making a big deal about because it's pretty much standard C.J. Mosley. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that, uh, plus a little bit of mixed in of just like he doesn't make a ton of. I mean, he, I mean, he does make some eye popping plays. He made a, you know, this pick today. He has had a sack or two as well, but um, you know, he's not the kind of guy you know he's not a defensive end he's not an edge rusher he's not getting after the quarterback on every snap so sometimes he can blend in a little bit and then you know part of it is also the fact that he's a a quieter guy he's not going to grab headlines from what he's saying so I think it's kind of the perfect confluence events for uh you know a guy that's a high profile free agent to sneak under the radar a little bit you know that doesn't happen very often but CJ Mosley has uh managed to find a way to do it so far for the most of this summer but uh, I have a feeling once you know the Jets are playing regularly on Sundays, uh, we'll probably see him and notice him uh, quite a bit more than we do right now in the preseason. Let's talk rookies. How'd they look today, Matt? Uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, Quinn Williams, another solid day. He just continues to kind of churn along and stack some solid days. Uh, Chuma Adoga has continued to get some pretty nice reviews from uh, coaches and everyone like that. So, you know, he was back out there with the second team line and uh, you know, looked solid yet again. Uh, Jakai Polite, uh, probably not his best day. He, you know, wasn't super productive out there, but, uh, you know, it, it's, he's a rookie. He's a guy that's going to have some ups and downs. And, uh, you know, if, if the ball is coming out quickly or what have you, you know, that kind of neutralizes him getting off the edge a little bit. So, uh, you know, maybe not his most disruptive day today, but don't read too far into that, I would say. Uh, Greg Dortch, I would say, was the rookie that stood out the most today, actually. He was, Working with the second team, uh, I believe he had four catches with the second team as well. So, uh, you know, showing a little bit more than just the punt return aspect of his game. And, uh, you know, the second team reps are a step up for him. Most of the time he's been running with the threes. So uh, good on him for taking advantage of the chance today as well. So uh, that was nice to see. And uh, beyond that, Kyron Brown, Blake Cashman, not out there with injuries. So, uh, you know, it didn't really have the full complement of impact where he's out there today. But uh, on the whole, a uh, pretty decent day, but I, I definitely think Dorch was the, the highlight from that regard. No new injuries today, Matt, thank God. But there were some guys that were held out again. Who were they? 
Yeah, so Truman Johnson still not back out there. Brian Winters still out. Uh, Kyron Brown, I just mentioned, still out. Cashman as well, still out. Uh, Kalechi Osemele, still out. Uh, so I believe that's the full list of guys that were held out. Not not a short list by any stretch. Uh, but Leonard Williams was back in there. Finally, he was out for uh, about a week or so with uh, some hip irritation and just kind of easing him back in. So he got back out there today. That was good. We already talked about May getting back in there into the team reps as well. Uh, and Henry Anderson had a uh, scare yesterday. He was evaluated for a concussion, but uh, turns out he passed that test. So he was back out there fully today as well. Uh, and just kind of one last injury note, Jamal Adams had a, a scare during practice there. He got banged up early on. He, he and uh, I believe it was Ty Montgomery collided at one point and Adams went down in a heap and he was slow getting up, eventually managed to get up and, uh, you know, head off to the sideline. But he walked over to the offensive sideline to get off the field quickly. That was the side of the field that he had gone down on. So, uh, you know, there was a, a worry there at first. You know, he, he didn't have what it takes to trot all the way or, or across the field. And, you know, he, you couldn't quite tell what was going on with him. But he was right back out there once the starters got back out there for their next series. So, uh, you know, no Jets fans would ever want to see Jamal go down at this point. You know, pretty clearly one of their best defensive players, one of their best players at this point. So, uh, you know, I'm sure – some of the few fans that were in attendance were holding their breath, but uh, Jamal just perfectly fine. He, he bounced back and, uh, you know, no no harm, no foul there. Can you imagine the reaction of Jets fans, particularly on social media, if, God forbid, there had been an actual injury to Jamal Adams? Uh, I tweeted that he was down, and with, within, like, three minutes, I tweeted that he was okay. And, like, yeah, with, like the, the tweets got some traction way too quickly so yeah i think people's heads would explode if jamal actually got seriously injured at any point here uh it, it would be a jets twitter meltdown play like a jet play like a jet with your host scott mason the jets don't have much depth at safety behind adams or may so thankfully adams is not hurt may is back but the guy who's right behind them is Rontez Miles, and he decided to take it upon himself to try and be a leader today on the field calling a meeting yeah, so it was uh, kind of in the middle of practice or maybe a little bit up toward the later stages of practice, and the Jets were kind of between periods, uh, you know, switching from one drill to the next, and Rontez called just about the whole team together and stood in the middle of the, the circle there and was just kind of getting guys fired up. Uh, you know, we're standing on the side of the field, and they were kind of across the field, so couldn't really make out what he was saying, but uh, it seemed fairly animated and yeah, Ronta was just trying to get everyone, you know, fired up, locked in for the the end of practice there. Uh, you know, he's one of the few guys on this team that's on the other side of 30. So, uh, you know, makes perfect sense that he would step into a leadership role there. Um, you know, not exactly sure, like I said, of what it was he was talking about. But, uh, you know, nice to see one of the vets on this team kind of grab the bull by the horns and, you know, go provide some leadership in a spot there. One of the players that's fighting for a roster spot, although now it's starting to look like he's more or less a lock to make the team, is Bronson Kafusi, the defensive lineman. Some real potential there. A couple of years ago, he was a third-round pick by the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't pan out there because of a variety of circumstances, including some injuries. He's an older player. He was drafted as an older player. I think he was 26 when he was picked. 
He's now 29 years old, but he's starting to flash in training camp. You had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit today as part of a feature that you're working on on him for NJ.com. So talk a little bit about that. I've been curious about Kafusi because I've heard a lot about him. What makes him tick? What did you learn from him? He is uh, possibly the nicest guy in this 90-man roster. He's definitely in the in the running for that award if you're giving it out. Just a relentlessly positive dude. And uh, yeah, you mentioned he's older for a guy that's only been in the, the league for a few years, but that's in large part because, uh, you know, he went to BYU, but before he did, he went on a two-year Mormon mission. Uh, so that cost him a couple of years before he got back into the swing of things with football. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got a really interesting story, interesting family background. Uh, I don't want to give away too many spoilers on the story here, but, um, you know, he, let's just say his family is very well known in Provo, Utah, which is, uh, his hometown and also the town of uh, BYU, and uh, for good reason. Like I said, he played there. Uh, he has some other family connections to BYU, uh, and also his mother is in a, uh, we'll say, prominent role in Provo as well. So uh, check out the feature. I, I think I'm going to wind up running it Thursday morning, I believe, but just keep your eye out at mj.com slash jets uh, for some of what Kafusi had to tell uh, me. Like I said, he, he's a really, really great guy, and uh, hopefully I can share a, a piece of his story because I think he is an interesting guy a few years in the league here now, but finally getting a chance to really uh, carve out a role for himself on this defense. Before we head into the locker room, Matt, let's talk about the special guest that was at training camp today. The head coach of the Devils made an appearance. What was his reason for being there, and what did you learn from talking to him? Yeah, so John Hines from the New Jersey Devils, like you said, head coach, uh, was on the uh, sidelines of practice or sitting up in the stands, actually, him and uh, I believe it was a couple other guys over from the Devils organization. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, t- I talked to him briefly after practice. He was telling me that him and Joe Douglas struck up a little bit of a friendship a few years ago. Uh, Hines and his staff have a, a habit of kind of bouncing around with some area teams and just kind of you know watching practice, sitting in on some meetings, just observing things just to see if there's anything that they can pick up on. Obviously, they're not going to learn any you know, hockey tactical stuff from watching Adam Gase's practice, but uh, if they can learn some stuff about just team rules or uh, you know, organizing a locker room, organizing a practice, uh, just how a, another professional organization operates, uh, you know, they're happy to pick up any tidbits they can. So uh, the Devil staff did that a few years ago over the summer when Douglas was with the Eagles. And that's when uh, Hines and Douglas met one another, and they've kept in touch a bit since. Uh, and so once Douglas got this job, Hines reached out to him just to congratulate him. And uh, Douglas told him, you know, if you're if you're ever looking to drop by, feel free. So he took him up on the offer today, got a chance to uh, you know, check out the facility, talk with Adam Gase. Uh, he hadn't met him before. So, uh, you know, he said he, that was an interesting conversation for him. Uh, and just kind of be a fly on the wall at the Jets facility for a day and see if he can pick up anything to bring over to Newark for his organization. Uh, and kind of interesting, I talked a little bit about this with him, and it's going to be in a story for NJ.com tomorrow as well, but uh, it's kind of neat. The Jets and the Devils are both kind of in a, a similar spot going into this year. Both of them were way outside the playoff picture last year. Things did not go according to plan, but both of them have had really big off seasons that all of a sudden have generated a lot of buzz and optimism around the team. So, uh, you know, he said that the, the feeling in the jets building that he got from his, you know, couple hours there today felt a lot like it has in Newark at the Prudential center, uh, you know, around the devils. So, uh, kind of cool to see the parallels between those two as they uh, meet up before the season starts. Play like a jet, play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason.
Matt, now let's go inside the locker room. And today was a little bit different because normally I'll say to you, what did Coach Gay say? And then what did the three players that they decided to make available say? Today, no players, no Coach Gase. It was all assistant coaches, most notably, of course, Greg Williams and Dowell Loggins. Before we get to what they said, did anybody on the beat ask Dowell Loggins if he is aware that he is a dead ringer for Patton Oswalt? <laughs> no, uh, did not come up. I will have to try to keep that in mind for the next time we get the coordinators. Uh, you know, I have to imagine somewhere along the way in his life someone's brought that up to him because you're right i mean it's just uncanny i keep telling everybody that this has to happen but eventually someone's gonna have to bring that up to him and somebody is going to have to bring up to joe douglas his uncanny resemblance to bam bam bigelow i'm not your guy for the wrestling thing uh (laughs) i think dennis from ap might be your guy on that regard but i can handle the uh you know the king of queens reference at least you're off the hook with the Bam Bam Bigelow one, but you're going to have to be the one to bring up the Patton Oswalt thing if nobody else will. Meantime, though, these assistant coaches, including Dell Loggins and Greg Williams, spoke in the locker room. What they have to say? Yep. So uh, let's see. I'll start with Dell Loggins here, and you know, as you'd expect, a lot of his questions were about Sam Darnold, and uh, more or less, he just raved about Darnold and you know the job he's done picking up the playbook and. Uh, the way he's been operating the offense as well. Uh, you know, he did admit that today's performance was pretty sloppy by the offense and that things weren't nearly as sharp as they need to be and some stuff needs to get cleaned up before Thursday night's game. But, uh, you know, all in all, he uh, said he really enjoyed the, the tempo that the Jets starters played with against the Giants the other night. Was really fired up about that. And, uh, you know, just really happy to see that unit clicking uh, in the first preseason game. Obviously a nice sign for them. And as far as Greg Williams goes, uh, he talked a pretty decent amount about the cornerback uh, group and more or less said that he isn't super concerned about it, as you'd expect. Uh, you know, he said that he views the opportunity as, uh, you know, a chance for the next man up to kind of step up and grab this thing by the horns and, you know, win a job or uh, become a, a vital piece of this team. And if not, he said he can do some stuff with schemes to kind of camouflage and, and hide that weakness as best as possible. So uh, that was really the theme of the day for him, you know, as you'd expect, talking about the corners. And then when it came to Brant Boyer on special teams, uh, you know, a lot of questions about Taylor Bertolette. Uh Boyer was telling us a lot about how, you know, he really liked what Bertolette showed last year in camp. You know, Jason Myers wound up winning that battle just because Myers was so good. And then obviously, you know, that was validated by the fact that he went on to have an all pro season. Uh, but, you know, Boyer did say that Bertolette was around 85 or 86% for the spring last year. He did a nice job kicking. Um, he thinks he's got a really nice, strong leg, is pretty consistent. Um, and last year, I know a big talking point, or in years past, a big talking point for Boyer has been kickoff distance and being able to, you know, sail balls through the end of the end zone there just to, you know, limit returns and get those touchbacks. And he thinks Bergelet has the leg to be able to pull that off as well. So, uh, you know, he expressed some confidence in Bergelet and what he could be able to do for this team. So, uh, you know, who knows, maybe the kid really is able to latch on uh, this time around, but, uh, you know, still wouldn't be surprised if the Jets try to add some competition at that spot somewhere along the lines here. Matt, you're getting ready to head down to Atlanta to cover the Jets and the Falcons in the second preseason game on Thursday. I got to ask, 
What do you got going on down there? You're going to play some golf? You're going to go see the Braves? You're going to go get some good barbecue food? What's happening? All of the above. Yeah, we got uh, <laughs> Braves Mets on tap for Wednesday night. We've got definitely plenty of food. Uh, I know Andy Vasquez discovered the, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so he's been down there for games against the Hawks before. So I know he was saying he's got some restaurants up his sleeve. And uh, then we're going to play some golf on Thursday before the game as well. Got to take advantage of that late kickoff and get some uh, fun in in the morning. So, yeah, should be a, a pretty good trip. I've never been to Atlanta before. So looking forward to going down there, checking it out, and uh, hopefully having a, a nice couple of days before coming back for the weekend. That sounds like a pretty awesome trip, even if it is for business. I wish that I could take a trip like that and a whole bunch of other trips might need a few bucks, like perhaps $3.5 million, like the amount of money you could win if you win the best ball championship over at Draft.com and the Draft app. Here's how you can win the $3.5 million. You can compete against me for that prize. I'm going to beat you, though. I'll tell you that right now. You sign up at the Draft app or Draft.com. It's really easy to play. It's a simple snake draft, so you don't have to worry about complicated stuff like salary caps or auctions or any of that. And on top of that, you don't have to worry about spending a ton of time on roster management because you do your draft and then they take care of the rest. They manage your roster the rest of the year and they make sure that your best players are in from week to week. Sounds pretty good, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to try to win $3.5 million? That's what I'm doing. Well, it gets even better because if you use our exclusive promo code when you make your first deposit over at the Draft app or Draft.com, you'll get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship and a free crack at that $3.5 million. The promo code is PLAYLIKE. That's right, PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E. You enter that as your promo code after you make your first deposit over at the Draft app or Draft.com, and you will be entered for a free shot to win that $3.5 million in the Best Ball Championship. And Matt, you won't need those $3.5 million to enjoy yourself on this trip because your company's sending you out there. But it would be cool if you had more time because the College Football Hall of Fame is out there. So if you had a few extra hours, that would be a pretty cool place to go. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, have a little time. I, I get in at one forty-five or so on uh, Wednesday, so uh, Braves games not till 7.20. Who knows? Maybe I'll be able to pop over there for a little bit. I always like to pack in as many things as I can on a vacation, so perhaps you can talk one of the other beat writers into going with you before you head over to the game that starts at 7.30. Before all of that happens, though, you got to fly out. So, Matt, I hope you have a great flight. I'm looking forward to talking to you after the game because we're going to do a post-game report following the Jets and the Falcons on Thursday. In the meantime, I know you've got the write-up from today's practice, and you've got a bunch of features up. I know the Bronson Kafusi one is going to be up soon. I can't wait to read it. What can people expect when they head over to nj.com slash Jets? Yeah, so uh, head on over there. Uh, like I said, we'll have something from uh, Devils coach John Hines just kind of further explaining that whole situation in the morning as well. Uh, may have something on Le'Veon Bell's new music video, which is uh, dropping Tuesday night. We'll, we're going to go check that out right now after we get off the phone here and see what's up over there. Uh, Bronson Kafuki stuff coming, and then, yeah, plenty of game stuff as well to round out the week. So uh, head on over to nj.com slash Jets and uh, follow me on Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipulkowski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Uh, plenty of stuff to come, and, uh, yeah, Appreciate you all following along as the training camp keeps going as always. Make sure that you read Matt over at nj.com slash Jets. 
And give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already at M underscore S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.